Welcome to Twin Flames, the podcast, a show about the therapeutic use of tarot, dreams, and spirituality for holistic health and transformation. We are two friends and psychotherapists who are passionate about both scientific and mystical interventions for self-care and healing. Thank you for joining us. Quick disclaimer before we start the show today. Although we are therapists, we are not your therapists. Please don't take our words as medical or therapeutic advice unless you'd like to pay us a session fee. Just kidding. The information we present on this podcast and on corresponding social media is not intended to be used for diagnosis, treatment, or medical, mental, or spiritual care. Please consult with your personal clinicians or healthcare providers on a regular basis. everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Twin Flames podcast. This is Laura speaking right now. In case you don't recognize my voice, I am slightly under the weather today. Um, So I apologize for the sound of my voice. I will do my best to push through it. Um, But just a quick disclaimer before we start. Um, Today we're going to be discussing the fool's journey through the major arcana of the tarot from a psychological perspective. So we're going to look at the fool's therapeutic journey to individuation, and self-actualization. However, we're only going to cover cards 0 through 7 of the Major Arcana in this episode, because, as you all know, there are 22 major cards, which would be too much to cover in a single episode. Yeah, so we're going to break it up into three parts. So this is part one of three of this mini-series. So throughout these three episodes, we're going to try to answer the question, what does the Fool's Journey look like? if the fool were a client in therapy, and what would they learn on their path to psychological wholeness? We'll also reference different theoretical frameworks and therapeutic interventions that you might see based on the stage of therapy Mm -hmm. where the fool is at. Before we dive into the first few major cards, a few definitions to go over. Individuation and self-actualization. These are two terms from depth psychology and humanistic psychology that refer to individual development and the evolutionary path of a human being. Yeah, so more specifically, individuation is a moving towards psychological wholeness. It's the process of becoming integrated where all of our potentials are actualized and the unconscious becomes conscious. So this term comes from the work of Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung. And according to Jung, individuation means becoming an individual. And in so far as individuality embraces our innermost, last, and incomparable uniqueness, it also implies becoming one's own self. So we could therefore translate individuation as coming to selfhood. And that's a direct quote from two essays in Analytical Psychology by Carl Jung. This might also look like the client becoming themselves outside of a label or a diagnosis or the problem that they're coming to therapy with. I like that a lot, Leah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And self-actualization, to go over that definition, um, it's similar to individuation, slightly different because this one comes from humanistic psychology, but it really refers to achieving the fullest use of one's potential, talents, and interests. So this is the need for personal growth and discovery that we all go through. And this term comes from the work of American psychologist Abraham Maslow, 
who believe that in order to achieve self-actualization or personal fulfillment, the individual must first meet their preceding needs. So physiological needs, safety, love and belonging. Which is like the major arcana, right? Like it's an ongoing yeah. cyclical totally. process. Right, because the fool, if the fool is the client, the fool goes through the entire major arcana through all 22 cards and then the, the process starts over again. So according to Rachel Pollack's book, The Shining Tribe Tarot, she says that, quote, the fool journeyer facing the tests of ordinary life, unquote, is basically cards one through seven. Now let's discuss the, the first leg of the fool's journey. So breaking down each card individually from zero, the fool, to seven, the chariot. As Laura said earlier, we view the fool, which is card zero, mm -hmm. as a client, and they're seeking therapeutic services. Yes. So during this stage of therapy is the pre-stage of therapy. Yes. Right, Laura? This is like even before they walk in through the door, I feel like, is the fool. You know, like when they've decided, I want therapy, they're seeking, maybe they've scheduled an appointment, or they're calling and asking about services. So they haven't quite walked into the door. But it's, it's the moment right before the first therapy session. So they've been toying with the idea of yeah. starting. and Yes. And I will say, though, even though we're talking about the fool as card zero as the start um, or before therapy starts, we are continual fools, all of us, you know, um, at every stage of therapy and at every stage of life. We're going to feel like a fool sometimes. or We're going to be the fool sometimes. Mm -hmm because we're always learning as human beings and because um, we're always embarking on a different quest of some kind. We're continually fools. Absolutely. That's a really good point because even though therapy is progressive and yeah. this ever-changing process, every start of the session is, a, mm. is new. Yeah. You know, every session, every appointment is a brand new start. Yes. I love that a lot. Yeah, traditionally, the um, fool is really thought of as untapped potential. So untapped potential, possibility, hopefulness, you know, mostly when clients come in, they're generally hopeful that like therapy is going to work for them. I also like to think of the fool as the inner child mm. in some ways. So the part of us that's still childlike or has some wounds from childhood that need to be healed. And we carry the inner child with us throughout life. The fool is pictured in different cards yes. throughout the 22 cards. So true. Even in the minor, because he shows up in the two of cups. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, and I mean, the fool, because it's card zero, can fit anywhere in that journey. I guess the fool represents each individual on their life's journey. So we are all fools when we first embark on the therapeutic quest for wholeness. I like the way that Sally Nichols talks about the fool in her book, Tarot and the Archetypal Journey. Um, she, she kind of describes the fool as the life instinct that's innate in all humans. So she says, quote, our inner fool urges us onto life where the thinking mind might be overcautious. You can also think of Instead of thinking of the fool, you can think of the client being fresh. Like this is yeah. just, you know, you coming fresh. Totally. I like that better. That's a more empowering way to think about the fool. And then another quote from The Shining Tribe Tarot by Rachel Pollock that I think is very fitting. 
Um, she says, quote, we leap from the safe reference points of our lives into a new way of being. Card number one, the magician. Laura and I were talking about how we see this card as the therapist. Mm-hmm. The therapist is the ma- magician mm-hmm. who's assessing the client's readiness to start therapy. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at different influences in the client's life, whether it be health, yeah, psycho, social, biological, biological, mm-hmm. developmental stage. And we're looking to build rapport. We're looking to build a relationship with the client. Um, And as the magician, we're also really looking for resources that they already have. What resources could they develop? Um, So this is really the first few therapy sessions. That's the stage of therapy. And I also think it's important to think of the magician kind of as like the secure attachment figure for the client. You know, like hopefully they're they're feeling safe and secure from the get-go and the magician is kind of, or the, the therapist is kind of stepping into the role of the quote unquote ideal parent. Mm. And having that secure attachment would help the client feel more comfortable trying out different yeah. techniques or solutions Ooh, yeah. in a safe space because if things, you know, don't go the way yeah. they planned it to, yes, they can rebound quicker. For sure. Yeah, so according to A.E. Waite from the Rider Waite Smith Tarot deck, um, he says that the magician is about the conscious mind. So working with the things that are conscious, um, it's about action, initiating a project, um, and power of the mind. And really focusing on the client's strengths and what yes. has gotten them this far in life. Very and you point. focus on that and then you use that as a springboard. Yeah. Card number two. My ultimate favorite card, Mm -hmm. the High Priestess, which is also about therapeutic work. This is the part of therapy where the therapist is exploring with the client their psychosocial background, Mm -hmm. their childhood, and the unconscious. Here, the therapist is also focused on helping the client develop coping skills, internal resources like meditation, Mm -hmm. mindfulness, self-regulation to help them get through the tough work in therapy, to help keep them grounded, to help them feel more in control of the therapeutic journey. So basically the way I think of the high priestess is kind of like when you start doing some more psychodynamic work where you're looking at underlying drives and motives and maybe things that the client isn't yet ready to face, but you as the therapist, as the high priestess, you're kind of looking for those things and keeping them in mind. So maybe you're not quite at the point where you can explore that stuff, Mm -hmm. but you're kind of conceptualizing the client's case from that perspective. And you're making mental notes of patterns and common themes that they're bringing. Absolutely. Whether it be in their dreams that they're talking Mm -hmm. to you about or the obvious clues that they give through their interactions with you. I was going to say, yeah, behaviors are really like, I had a a client one time who came in and would not put down her purse or her car keys. And that was something that I just took a mental note of. Like the entire time she held onto her purse and her car keys, almost like she could run out of the room at any point, Mm. you know? So taking note of behaviors like that. According to A.E. Waite, he talks about how um, the high priestess refers to intuition. Um, It's all about silence inner world, unconscious, secrets, mysteries, and the unknown. And when I read the silence piece, I thought about 
how uncomfortable sometimes those silences in therapy can be, but how telling and how important they are too, because they give you so much information and really therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Card number three is the Empress. So we can really think of the Empress as like nature and we'll get to the emperor. So nature versus nurture. I'm sure people have heard that whole debate about, you know, our psychological or health issues, nature, are they nurture? Um, I think of the empress as a parent figure and as the nature part of us. So the empress in terms of the stage of therapy is really about getting into the therapeutic work. So you've kind of got the background information with the magician and the high priestess. And then now you're really just exploring um, things like attachment patterns, early childhood, early childhood trauma or intergenerational trauma. Um, you're discussing interpersonal neurobiology, or maybe you're, you're seeing it as the therapist play out in the room, but you're really focused on that, you know, stereotypical mother figure in their lives. And you're helping them engage in maybe like embodiment practices or somatic experiences, um, helping them develop intuition. So when I say nature, that's really just the things that we're all born with. Um, so our genes, our biological makeup, the things that are hereditary. And so we're kind of paying attention to those and trying to work with those. And then card four is the emperor. So another parental figure. Um, this time it's about nurture, though. Um, so again, we talked about the debate of nature versus nurture. Nurture refers to our environments, the things that we learn early on in life, like the way we're socialized, um, familial norms and expectations, upbringing, rules. But yeah, we're probably going to be helping our clients with boundary setting, or at least we're talking about boundaries, what it means to have boundaries. Um, we're discussing maybe behaviors that need to be addressed. Part number five, the Hierophant. Therapeutic work is also going on at this stage. The client is taking more autonomy and control in their work. Yeah. They're building self-esteem. They're feeling more self-actualized. Mm -hmm. They're reconstructing certain core beliefs that they may have developed since childhood yes. that are unhelpful for them. They might be changing their worldview mm -hmm. and their understanding of themselves once they develop more insight into their life. They also are exploring worldviews that were instilled by maybe their caregivers mm -hmm. and what society has told them. Yeah. Because the higher fan is all about like tradition and culture, right? Like being conservative, um, learning from society learning about your narrative yeah. and how that was developed and learning how to reconstruct that narrative yeah to better serve you and sometimes we don't even realize we've got narratives that we need to reconstruct so a lot of times clients like for example i had a client who had this narrative of himself as just like undeserving of love undeserving of good things and we spent an entire session talking about where did those beliefs come from mm. Why are you undeserving, but somebody in your shoes is not? And finding those answers might be really hard yeah. for a client because that might induce a lot of shame. And what's important is helping your client forgive themselves mm. while they explore those parts so that they can reframe or reconstruct their narrative and 
a compassionate way. I love that. Yeah, you made a really good point before we started recording about how you've started seeing the Hierophant as a card of forgiveness, too. Because mm-hmm. the Hierophant kind of looks like a pastor or a priest. And I immediately think of confession mm-hmm. when I see that card. And confession was always like a really triggering thing for me. But it could be if you're doing confession with yourself, right? Like you're confessing your quote unquote sins to yourself in a therapist who's there to be compassionate. You're being that honest. Can be, yeah, being super honest. And that can be like really healing. Maybe they didn't learn how to be honest with themselves mm. or to focus on themselves and only focus on others. And that might yes. be really hard for them to do that inner work. And you yeah. can teach them how to do that at their own pace. I love that. And in order to grow, you have to learn from past experiences and what didn't help. Absolutely. And also what helped. What did help, what didn't help. Yeah. What got you to survive. Absolutely. So moving on to card six, the lovers. This card, you're continuing the therapeutic work, but I think you're starting as the client to take action and to apply what you're learning in therapy outside of the therapy room. So you start to do that with your close others, right? So the lovers Mm -hmm. is all about interpersonal relationships, um, your relationship with other people and with yourself, not just, you know, romantic interests, but really, you know, family maybe, or friends Mm -hmm. or a spouse. So you're, you're starting to take action and to apply what you're learning from therapy outside of the therapy room in your relationships. And you're learning and growing within your relationship with that therapist. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point, Leah. That could heal interpersonal or relationship trauma. Yeah. I had a professor in undergrad who told us this quote or this saying, and it will always stay with me. He said that the connection heals, mm-hmm. which makes complete sense oh, to me. Yeah. You could throw all these coping skills and interventions and strategies at your client, but at the root of it all, it's the connection and that healing relationship that really makes a difference. No, I totally agree with you, Leah. I think we're of the same mind in that we're both very relational in the sense that like when it comes to working with our clients, we focus a lot on our relationship with them first and throughout our, our sessions with them. Um, And research backs that up. Research talks about like the core factors in therapy and the most important um, is the therapeutic relationship. If you don't have that strong connection, you're not going to get very much done. And if you think about it, a lot of our psychological wounds are caused or occur in the context of relationships. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't we try to heal those wounds also in the context of a relationship? Absolutely. Good point. And the card is about union, love, Mm. warmth, nurture, support, and choice. Yes. Providing love, support, compassion, all the humanistic stuff. Meeting your client's needs. Yes. In a way that will empower them. Yes. The whole concept of the lover's card is about duality, partnerships, romance, and choosing the right action. It is also about decisions, Mm and exploring love for others and also developing self-love. Yes. That one I think gets kind of pushed off to the side a lot. And the lovers isn't just about 
relationships with other people. It's also about what kind of relationship do we have with ourselves? Because that's the foundation for all the rest of our relationships with others. According to Misty Kinsman in her book called The Complete Beginner's Guide to Tarot, there's something that she said that I felt was really powerful. She said the most important message of this card is that of decision making. Mm. Each choice we make must be understood to have a consequence. That's kind of what you're hoping to get clients to do in therapy is make Mm. their own decisions. Take those out into the real world and then discuss or deal with the consequences of those decisions. So learning and getting something out of the consequences rather than feeling shameful or punished. Correct. Right. Can we look at things as a learning opportunity? Mm -hmm. And also therapists, you know, through trial and error, like what's going to work with this client? And we mess up all the time. All the time. And that's the only way that we can learn to become better therapists is the consequences of some clinical decisions. Absolutely. And sometimes that can be really healing for the client too. Like I can think of situations in which I've made mistakes in the therapy room or I've tried something that totally fell flat. And then being able to discuss that with the client openly and honestly can be so healing for them, especially if they were not allowed to have a role. Yeah. It's like, be honest with me. What did you, you know, truly think about this? Did it work for you or not? And for them to be able to be like, no, actually it sucked, (laughs) you know? And that's helping them feel more in control of the therapeutic process too. Yes. Without giving them all the control. Correct. Yes. Card number seven. Again, this is another Mm -hmm. stage in the therapeutic work. This time the client is taking action and applying what's been learned in therapy to life outside of the therapy room. It's becoming generalized. Yes. In multiple areas of their life. There's also parallel processes that are going on in therapy between the therapist and the client. Mm-hmm. You're constantly interacting. There's cause and effect going yeah. on between, like within that relationship, yeah. within themselves. There's counter-transference and transference going on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think of that when I look at, when I just look at the chariot card. Yeah. And I see the two sphinxes. Yes. I think of the client and the therapist going along the therapeutic journey together mm-hmm. yes. with that parallel process of they're both growing Absolutely. and learning from one another. Absolutely. And this is kind of where that wise mind comes in because you've got, you know, the therapist and the client and then you've got the charioteer. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like trying to rein in or, or direct the two sphinxes or the two horses, depending on what kind of card you're looking at. Um, but I see the charioteer as like the balance of the rational versus the emotional mind. And balancing between inner experiences yeah. and outer experiences. Oh, yes. Represents how therapeutic growth and healing is not linear. Yes. Yeah, it might look from the card like it should be linear because when you think of a chariot and somebody directing a chariot, you would hope that they're going down, you know, a specific path. But actually, sometimes we don't do that. In th- like as the therapist, we don't direct things in that way or we don't. And sometimes the client can take a few steps forward and a few steps back or they might zigzag all over the place. But what's important, I think, is that like they're still the ones that are trying their best to direct those two sphinxes Mm -hmm. and experiencing extremes and going between rational mind emotional mind yeah 
will help them to develop psychological flexibility in facing mm. their fears and facing the hard topics and developing distress tolerance so that they can look at things at different points of view or from different points of view. Absolutely. And also, I think this is the part of therapy where it becomes very reinforcing yes. for the client because they see their gross and yes. they're feeling more confident. They're seeing the result. The chariot card is also about morality, victory, triumph, hard work, dedication, determination, and self-discipline, which yeah. is which are characteristics that we just talked about. Yes. That we would see in our clients As at this stage. Yeah, yeah. This stage in therapy. Absolutely. And sometimes like we need to that's really what we need in therapy. Like we need the client to continue to put in the work. And we need to, as therapists, to continue to put in hard work, to be dedicated. This card also reminds me of the stage in EMDR therapy mm. when a client clears a memory and how, you know, the chariot is going down one path. Yeah. And in EMDR therapy, the goal is to clear traumatic memories. Yes. And what, if you clear a traumatic memory, you might clear other underlying memories yes. that are a part of the same memory network. Absolutely. And the chariot, I just visualize going down that yeah. memory network yeah. and clearing one memory after the other, I going down love one path. That. Absolutely. Also, the future template phase of EMDR. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's when we try to guide our clients through what would, can we use what we just learned mm -hmm. to apply to a future situation that might be similar to this one or a future situation where you might be triggered in a similar way? Yeah. And how can you move through that? And reining it in and yes. not reacting to that trigger the way that you used to. Misty Kinsman said in her book that one cannot simply desire success. There must also be a clear thought out plan of action, mm -hmm. which reminds me of the future template yes. in EMDR. Yes. It also reminds me of um, treatment plans and treatment plan reviews. Ooh. It's like every, every once in a while we have to do some review of progress and do we need to add other goals? Do we, can we retire one of these goals that we've been working on? Good point, Laura. That definitely could happen yeah. at this stage in therapy with the, the chariot card. So I'm wondering if we should talk about the two cards we pulled for this episode. We saved them for the end of the episode. And what deck did you use, Laura? So I used the Pride Tarot. So we pulled two cards. We pulled the Wheel of Fortune, which is card number 10. We haven't gotten to it yet, but that'll be part of part two. And then the Seven of Pentacles, which is very fitting because we talked about cards one through seven. Oh yeah, I never even thought about that. Again, I'm going to read from Misty Kinsman's book. Her description of the Wheel of Fortune is that... Yeah, it's all about like the ups and downs of life, I think. Um, the guidebook from the Pride Tarot talks about how there are forces at work that are beyond our control, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't put yourself out there. So that's kind of like when you think about life and therapy. You know, you've got all these things going on in life that you can't necessarily always control, but mm -hmm. you're still going to go to therapy and try to work with what you've got. Yeah, you're going to take a chance. Right. The Wheel of Fortune is a metaphorical representation of change and movement that needs to mm. and was destined to take place. Mm. Mm -hmm. So you might not believe it now, yes. but eventually you're going to think, okay, yeah, this was meant for me. I needed, I needed to go to therapy. This was worth it. Absolutely. 
And I like that you brought up change too, because therapy is all about change. Mm-hmm. And I think of the stages of change, according to Francesca, when I think of the Wheel of Fortune. Like, what are the stages of change that we guide our clients through? And you need to let go of any understanding or expectation. Yeah. Like, change needs to happen right away. Mm. It's happened within three months. Just letting go of that and trusting the process. Absolutely. Because you can't, you don't know right off the bat when things are going to change. Yes, which can be so hard for some clients and some therapists. Mm -hmm. I had a client who wanted to know, how long is this going to take? When can I get healed? And it's like, I can't tell you that, you know? For some people, it takes a few months. For some people, it takes years. Mm -hmm. And for people who struggle with anxiety, especially, I think that's really hard to hear. Yep, the unknown. The unknown, but that's Wheel of Fortune energy. Mm -hmm. Describing what the Seven of Pentacles is all about. Um, it's usually associated with a period of resting after hard work, awaiting the fruits of one's labor. It is a productive rest where one allows the body to recuperate while waiting for one's efforts to germinate and begin to bear fruit. In this image, it is also about meditating about what one has done and what one might be able to accomplish in the future. So this particular card, we will post it on our social media, but it's got the seven different colors, the chakra. Mm -hmm. which I think is pretty cool. And so in the guidebook, it says the colors of the rainbow in the image also hint at diversity and choices about what paths one might take after the resting period is over. The rainbow may also symbolize a bridge connecting the realm of humankind, the physical, to the realm of the gods, spiritual. The image depicts a bald androgynous figure in a monastic robe sitting under a tree bearing seven fruits, symbolizing seven chakras, seven colors of the rainbow, the path of seven planets and the seventh day of rest after creation. That's awesome. Yeah, I like that one. So really about looking at what you've learned in therapy, what all your hard work has kind of led to. And then this is actually a perfect card that that I think parallels the chariot in that like the chariot is just a like a short stop on the way to the next phase of mm-hmm. the journey of the major arcana. Because you're kind of pausing, meditating, okay, what have I done so far? And what steps do I want to take next? Mm -hmm. The work isn't necessarily done there. Which happens in a lot of the times in the treatment plan review session. Yes. Well, I think that just about covers the first seven cards of the Major Arcana. Next episode, we'll be going over cards eight through 15. Through 15. Yes. If we're doing the math correctly. Yeah, so stay tuned for that, and we will catch you next.